Yes, this is the, the beginning of the slippery slope. We're, we're, we're moving the Bible reading to after the start of me speaking, I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. Um, but, actually, not entirely true, because we've definitely got a Bible verse to hand, haven't we, Simon? Just Can you pick up that one verse? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And I'm going to pray with that Bible verse in our minds. We pray, Heavenly Father, that the upside-downness of your kingdom, which we can never get just by thinking hard or trying hard, uh, you would wonderfully make clear to us, even this morning. We pray you'd speak to us and help us to see how we can be true winners in your kingdom. We pray it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. That's our theme this morning. And I, I guess everybody is familiar with the idea of um, prizes. When you get a nice prize for first prize, we're probably even familiar with um, losing prizes. They exist, don't they? I've got, um, we used to have a lovely neighbor, our nearest neighbor for a number of years in the house I live in was a horse, a horse called Willie. Uh, Willie sadly is no more, but his legacy lives on. And I am holding up here for the camera and for everybody to see in church the prize he got from his last competition. This is a red rosette. It says first on it um, for the Chatsworth International Horse Trials. I don't know if it was pinned onto Willie by the Duke or Duchess of Devonshire up at Chatsworth, but he did a great round. This is his last competitive uh, trophy, as it were. He got, and, and let me just tell you this, I, I do know this for a fact. Horses love getting rosettes. They know exactly what's going on when one of these gets put on them, okay? There's a first prize. Um, I mentioned booby prizes, are we allowed to call them that? I've got a very handsome wooden spoon with me here, okay? We need a picture of one of the original wooden spoons, because you might not know this, that wooden spoons started in this part of the world, in Cambridge. This is a picture of the last person at Cambridge University to be given an official wooden spoon. His name was Cuthbert Holthouse. This was 1909. Um, the wooden spoon in Cambridge, for what it's worth, used to be given to the lowest scoring past degree in Cambridge University. So you're right down the bottom of the pile. You passed, but you were the lowest scoring past, and you got one of those things. And Cuthbert Holdhouse, I think you can probably just about see on this picture, the handle is shaped like an oar, probably because he spent more time on the river than he did in the library. There's a little caption that's written in Greek for those that are good at this sort of thing. I'll translate it for you. In honors mathematical, this is the very last of all the wooden spoons which you see here, because there are lots of them. Oh, you who see it shed a tear. But I did discover that a wooden spoon has been awarded more recently than 1909. And I think there's another picture that can go up at this point. <laughs> well, actually, this is the Wooden Spoon Award. I'm going to give it to Josh now. 
definitely what we're supposed to do in this situation. But you get the point, just to, just to try and highlight something of the words that Jesus is saying. So the last will be first, and the first last. Actually, Jesus said that more than once. There had been a time just before when a young man came up to Jesus saying, what can I do to have eternal life? What do I need to do to go to heaven? Um, tell me, Jesus, I really want to do the right thing. In fact, he said, as long as I can remember, I've wanted to do the right thing. I've always wanted to. And I guess Peter and all the other disciples were saying, wow, get the red rosette out. This guy is a great. We should make him a disciple straight away. Come and meet our membership secretary. They're very pleased about it. But, says Jesus, just one thing's missing. Sell all your sports kit, all your toys, sell your bike, sell your scooter, Sell your best clothes and your trainers. Sell your phone. Sell your iPad. Well, he didn't quite say those things, but you get the point. He might have said that today. And then give the money from all your stuff to the poor, and then come and follow me. And we read that he went away sad because he had great wealth. So it might have looked like he was going to get a red rosette as a winner. Actually he's more likely to get the sort of wooden spoon treatment in the kingdom, which is quite serious, isn't it? And then after that, Peter says, well, how about us? We've left everything to follow you. We've given up our jobs, a steady income. We've left behind our friends. We've left behind our reputation, if you like. Everybody thinks we're a bunch of losers. Loser. Jesus says, no, 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 you're not a loser. You're the winners. When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you will actually be judging the tribes of Israel. And if you've given something up, you'll get so much more, a hundred times as much, and eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. And then he told a parable, we're going to hear it in a moment, and then he said it again. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. So, let's hear the parable. It's all about God's generosity and grace. Simon, uh, press the button for play. Jesus often told stories to help us understand what God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is like. This story is about the owner of a vineyard and his workers. Once there was a man who went out to pay them the regular wage, a silver coin a day, and sent them off to work in his vineyard. He went out again to the marketplace at nine o'clock and saw some men standing there doing nothing. 
So he told them, you also go and work in the vineyard and I will pay you a fair wage. So they went. And here they are working in the vineyard. Then at 12 o'clock and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. The men had to work hard. It was nearly five o'clock when he went again to the marketplace and saw some other men still standing there. Why are you wasting the whole day here doing nothing? He asked them. No one hired us, they answered. Well then, you go and work in the vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the owner told his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, starting with those who were hired last and ending with those who were hired first. The men who had begun to work at five o'clock were paid a silver coin each. So when the men who were first to be hired came to be paid, they thought they would get more, but they too were given a silver coin each. They took their money and started grumbling against the employer. These men who are hired last worked only one hour, they said, while we put up with a whole day's work in the hot sun. Yet you paid them the same as you paid us. Listen, friend, the owner answered one of them. I have not cheated you. After all, you agreed to do a day's work for one silver coin. Now take your pay and go home. I want to give this man who was hired last as much as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do as I wish with my own money? Or are you jealous because I am generous? And Jesus concluded, so those who are last will be first and those who are first will be last. Well, thank you very much, Polly, for putting in the work to get that little presentation done. And thank you, uh, Alison in the office and Simon for making it work well so that we could enjoy it together. As I said, it's all about God's generosity, God's amazing grace to people who don't deserve it. And I detect two ways in which we see God's generosity in that story. First, God's generosity in when he calls us. God's generosity in when he calls us. Because if you think back to that story, the vineyard owner is the one who in each instance takes on the workers. And the vineyard worker corresponds to God in the kingdom. It's up to the vineyard worker when he calls the workers and how he does it. And it is down to God and his generosity when he calls us to be part of his kingdom. So in the story, no one offered their services to the farmer. He went and got them all. And it's a call to work. It needs to say that. But it is out of his kindness that God calls us to be part of his kingdom and to serve him. It is his kindness that he gives us meaningful work to do and saves us from a wasted life. So I suppose it means that if you have the sense that God called you early in the morning, let's say six in the morning, in other words, when you were young, to be a follower of Christ, 
Well, you could thank him for when he called you. Thank him that he called you when you had all your life to live for him. If you grew up in a Christian home, sometimes people say, I, I never knew a time when I didn't know that Jesus was my Lord's. Thank God for that. What a wonderful gift that is. Uh, what might have been the case if you hadn't started young? Thank him for when he called you. If he happened to call you at six in the evening, as it were, so you lived into adult life without a relationship with God, but he's got you now, then thank God that he didn't pass you by. We see God's generosity in when he calls us. We see God's generosity too, this is the second point, I'm trying to be brief today, in what he gives us. Remember in the story he gave each worker a silver coin. And I suppose that could correspond, could it not, to the silver coin of eternal life in his kingdom. And everyone gets that who's in the kingdom, just like all the workers got the silver coin. And the challenge of the story, it seems to me, or one of them is, don't complain that God gives the same gift to someone else. And you think that, well, she doesn't deserve it, or I deserve it more. It's amazing that God gives that coin to anyone and everyone to whom he gives it. It's amazing, of course, that God gives it to people who start late. Amazing that people that have lived a whole life ignoring God wonderfully can be forgiven and accepted into God's family late on. That's amazing. It's amazing that he gives it to people who start serving him early in life as well. They need a savior as well. And God is generous enough to invite both types. In fact, says Jesus, be careful. This is the challenge of the parable. Because if you moan about what God gives you, you might be silly enough to think, I don't want what he gives me. We've lost the screen again, I think. Do I hold fire for a second? They can still hear me. You just miss out on the mug shot. This is an important point in the, in the bit of the parable, so I don't want to lose it if we can get it. I'm back on, on camera. See the challenge here. If you moan about what God gives you, you may be silly enough to think, well, I don't want what he gives me then. I'm not going to have it. And that's what he's saying, isn't it? Many who are first, or think they are, will end up last. But many who are last will actually be first. I had fun in the summer holidays playing snakes and ladders again. It's a pretty infuriating game, isn't it? Well, it depends how you look at it. You can be down at the bottom of the board and all sorts of other people seem to be going ahead of you, getting ahead of you on the board, moving towards the, the victory square. And then isn't it a fantastic feeling when you get the ladder that just happens to whiz you up about 89 spaces right into the top corner, passing everybody. How terrible it is to be way on up the board and then you get the snake that goes zig 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 all the way down to square number three again. Very important to get this right, isn't it? 
to make sure that even if people will think we're losers in some way, in God's eyes, we're winners. I think there are lots of little applications of it. We might think, well, I started young and I've worked hard spiritually in the course of my life. I'm climbing the ladder, as it were. I served on the Christian Union. Or I've got a, a bit of respectability. I'm looked up to by my peers. I've served on the board of my company. I've been promoted in various ways. I'm, I've got my name on the list of benefactors. I was trying to think what it is that's appealing to people that like Freemasonry, which it seems to me is difficult to square with the Bible. But one of the things that find, people find attractive in that is this whole idea of being accepted by the Lodge. We have lots of little ways we seek to climb the ladder and get respectability. But take care, take care. Uh, maybe God has shown us grace in our lives and we know that clearly. We've been in church all along. And yet as we go on in the Christian life, we sort of become the fixers for other people. And we get a little grumpy in the process. I'm speaking to myself, but I actually think it's a, a problem in our church life in lots of ways that shows itself. Could that be because we think like the people that have been working in the vineyard all along, we've borne the heat and burden of the day, somehow that makes us better than others? Especially the young, what would they know? Well, probably they do know less than me. But that doesn't make them any less of a recipient of God's generosity. They can be accepted. They can be winners. We've got all sorts of ways of ranking ourselves on the ladders. I think because I'm white, I'm more acceptable to God. Or because I'm bright, I'm more acceptable to God. Wrong, wrong, wrong. The color of my skin is not a ticket into heaven or a barrier to heaven. The amount of GCSEs I have is not a ticket into heaven or a barrier to heaven. Nobody will ask me what class degree I got or didn't get at the pearly gates. No, we all need God's gift, and he is generous. We all receive it the same way, not by saying, aren't I great, look at me, but actually by saying, I am not great, I know it. Sorry for my sins. Thank you that you paid for them, Jesus, and please give me the benefits of your kingdom. And the wonderful thing is, when we do that, when we say sorry, thank you and please in that way, we get given eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and the last first. And I just think it's worth reminding ourselves that it was Jesus Christ who said those words. The one who ended up, just a week or so after he said those words, on a rubbish dump outside the city, on the cross, with all the rubbish of our lives tipped onto him, with everyone calling him, loser, loser. 
No one ever went lower than Jesus Christ did. No one could go lower than Jesus Christ did. Maybe you need to hear that today if you're feeling very low yourself. No one could go lower than Jesus. He went lower than you. He did it out of love for his heavenly Father and out of love for us. And three days later, God brought him back to life again and said, the last is the first. If we follow him and follow his path, we need to know that we will never be the losers for going that route through life. It makes all the aggravation and struggle and sweat and tears of life, it'll make it all pale into insignificance when that silver coin, and we see the true value of it, is uh, fully and finally ours. Let's pray, shall we, um, as uh, we, we think about these truths and just pray them into our lives again. We thank you, Lord, for that song we've sung about how everything gets turned upside down. The weak can say we're strong. The poor can say we're rich because of what you have done for us. And just in the quiet now, let's take the opportunity to say for the first time or for the 101st time, sorry, thank you, and please to the Lord. Sorry, dear Lord, for our sins. Maybe that particular sin of pride. Thank you that Jesus was willing to be the last, the outcast for us that he died on the cross for our sins to pay for them completely. And please, in your amazing grace and generosity, give us a share in his kingdom, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.